At RWJ Barnabas Health, we have a passion for heart health. With the largest adult and pediatric cardiac surgery programs in the state, a heart transplant program that's top 15 in the nation, a partnership with Rutgers Health, the latest technology and medical advancements and nationally renowned care for every heart in every one of our communities. Whoever your heart beats for, our hearts beat for you. Let's be healthy together. Visit rwjbh.org heart. RWJ Barnabas Health, New Jersey's largest academic health care system and official health care provider of the New Jersey Devils. Let's be healthy together. Learn more at rwjbh.org. Speak of the Devils is supported by Riverside Oral Surgery, official partner of the New Jersey Devils. Hi, everybody. I'm Matt Lachlan along with Sam Kassan. Welcome to the latest version of Speak of the Devils, our weekly podcast presented by our good friends at RWJ Barnabas Health, the official health care provider of the New Jersey Devils. Sam, you and I usually chit chat a little bit at the beginning, but there is some time pressure here. So we're going to get straight to our guest, Mark Dennehy, chief scout on the amateur scouting side of things for the New Jersey Devils. And Mark, we know this is a very busy time for you. So thanks for carving some out for us. We've spoken to you before about what your role is and how you've overseen the entire amateur scouting side and the work that that team does. But now as you get closer to draft day and putting final thoughts onto paper and separating everyone out, what's the process like? And welcome to the show. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And uh, hello to, to Devils Nation. Um, you know what? It's the first thing Fitzy told me was we've got a great group. And I would say right off the top, that has proven to be true. Um, Paul Castron, who's a huge asset to this organization, has done this a long time. And, and he said, you know, you get as scouts, right? Our job is to accumulate data, right? We, we gather information. Um, well, there's a lot of information to gather. And whether it's the regional scouts, whether it's the crossover guys, um, whether it's our analytics group, it can be overwhelming. And Paul reminded me the number one part to this is get the list right. So don't, you know, l- let's not reinvent the wheel. Take in this data. You want to pay attention to it. Um, but let's also uh, not look past the simple. Um, you know, let's make sure we get the, the list right. And, and so that's what we're doing. And, and we feel good about, about where we are. What is that process like in the final stages where the scouting staff has spent, I would think, hundreds of days, millions of miles in terms of flights, uh, trying to get this list right? What are the final few days, few weeks like? Bloody, um, I think we probably, uh, you know, you know Fitzy well enough. Um, I, I would say that this is full contact scouting at this point. Um, you know, we we meet on a regular basis, and and there's a lot of conjecture and a lot of debate, and there's really, uh, you know, it's such an inexact science. You you look at teams, and and you know. For example, you, you know, you, you look at one team and, and they might end up with a Hall of Fame goalie that they picked in the first round. Meanwhile, they had two picks in the first round and the first guy they picked didn't play at all. Right. And so you can say, well, wow, what a great pick in, in, in this guy, except you could have had him earlier and, and, and there could have been less risk. So, um, you know, 
guys have passion for their players. They all put together a list and, and then it's up to you to defend that list. You know, I would say it's probably a little bit like a democratic Republic in terms of, of our crossover guys get to vote. But at the end of the day, I think um, I'm the electoral college and, <laughs> and then Fitzy's the president. So, uh, you know, he, he gets, you know, we want to gather the information. We want to put it in the right context, put it in the right order. And then, uh, you know, even though uh, uh, myself and, and my department will play a, a role in the decision at the end of the day, it, it, it's, you know, it's on Fitzy's resume. Mark, you said it's a, uh, sometimes it gets a little bloody. It's, and I love the, don't get me wrong. I love the, uh, the scenarios there that you laid out as far as the American political capital goes. So take us into the room a little bit here. So you got your delegates and they're lobbying the, the voters to try and get them to come to their side. What's it like being in the room when a, and a guy's like, you know, I really like player A, he's got this, this, and this. And somebody else is saying, well, I really like player B, he's got this, this, and this. How do those conversations go? And how ultimately do you decide where to spot some of these players? Well, one of the things that we all have to recognize as we come into this process is that we have bias, right? So I have bias and our crossover scouts have bias. We all have bias. And so for me, I spent a lot of this year reading reports figuring out what each person's bias is. So I like this guy over that guy, but I might like skill a little more than, um, or I might like the fact that, that he's more game ready than, than this guy. There's, there's a million things that go into it. And so as we're in the room, um, and, and then there's also how much passion do you have for a player? Oftentimes we are splitting hairs between one guy and another. And, and it might be, well, you know what? Um, this guy's pounding the table. And even though he might be outvoted by one vote, the other three guys are kind of, yeah, we like this guy, but we see your point. Well, you know what? We may flip that vote based on, on passion. And, and it might be something that we do. Um, you know, if someone really has a passion for someone, oftentimes they might know more about them than maybe we do. It, he might be from their region. Um, we do an incredible job of sharing information but at the end of the day, um, you know, putting things on the line when it really matters can be all the difference, if that makes any sense. And I assume as the ultimate arbiter, when you're putting this list together, some guys kind of fall in and say, OK, might not have gone my way, but I understand the thought process. And so how much is it just keeping the peace or corralling guys around in your role? Uh, getting all that information. You said part of it's like evaluating players, but part of it's evaluating the scouts themselves and how they evaluate the players. We, I mean, we've been doing this every week since the Holinka in, in August. So, you know, I, I don't want to say that, that we're pulverized already, but, you know, you know someone's passion for a player. Um, but I also think there's a lot in the best organizations I've ever been in, the best staffs I've ever been a part of have been able to go after each other behind closed doors because there's a level of trust, right? They know I value their opinion. Um, you know, everyone has a job, you know, the, 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 the captain of the ship's job is to steer the ship. So you gotta have thick, thick skin, but I, but I also feel confident that everybody in that room respects each other's opinion. Um, the vote might not go your way, so be it. We gotta move on. Uh, however long we are into this podcast, I know the Devils fans are going, all right, so who are they going to take? We have agreed that we're not necessarily going to mention names because 
That's still to be determined, obviously, who the Devils will select at number two, what they'll do with the number two pick. But I want to ask you about the final process. In other words, they're they're the the star players, if you will, were up in Buffalo uh, for the combine. You had a chance to see them up close, interview them. Some players were brought to New Jersey for another round of conversation and get to know you. How important is that last little bit of the puzzle? And maybe it's not the last little bit, but uh, you know, how important is that part of the puzzle? Getting to know these guys, seeing them across the table, talking to them, looking into their eyes. So one of the things we talk about is, is we want to make sure that we look at the whole picture, right? Um, but that includes that last part, right? We, we don't want to overemphasize what that means, but it's also, it's also not just an exercise in futility where we just bring them in because we think we should bring them in. If we didn't think we could garner something from the process of bringing them in and talking to them, um, that, then we shouldn't do it. And I will say that, that it, you know, it, it, there's probably three scenarios. And, and, and I, this is kind of how I did it as I was going through the combine. Is this something that, that I think will, will help or, or, or reflect positively on the, on the, the person we're looking at, is it a non-factor or is this something that would hurt them negatively? The majority of them are non-factors, right? The majority is it's probably not going to sway us one way or the other. Um, there's a minority where you you might say, oof, there's a red flag there that I'm, I want to dig deeper into. Again, we're information gatherers. That's our job. Um, and then there's a couple where you're like, you know what? Wow. Like we know what type of challenge this player is going to have based on where we think we would draft them. It seems to me they've got the right mindset to, to attack that challenge. So it, it can play a part, um, but we're looking at the total picture. I know there are a lot of experienced members. You mentioned Paul Castron of, of the Devils scouting staff. And so it's kind of hard, I'd imagine, to pull the wool over your eyes collectively. But how do you separate the canned answer from the heartfelt answer? Because these guys have been quote unquote, trained for a long time. They've spoken with their agents. They probably have someone who helps them with conversations like they've had at the combine. How do you separate like, yeah, that's what he's really saying. No, that's just what he thinks we want to hear. Some of it is obvious, you know, some of it is obvious. Um, and, and we, you know, we like to say canned answers. I would say more often than not, it, it's, it's, it's young men who, uh, uh, have been through this process before and they, they already understand what their answer is going to be, you know? So it's, it's, they're not, there was only a couple of guys that seemed robotic. Um, some of these high end players, this isn't their first interview. This isn't the first time you're going to ask them the question that you're asking. Some of these guys you get late in the combine, they've already been through 25 interviews. You know, what, how many different questions can you ask? So, um, most of these kids are, are very well prepared, I would say. Most of the questions, I think, are expected. Um, one of the things that I really liked about what we did was, you know, we, we threw it back on the regional guys based on their viewings. We asked them if they had a, 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 an individually specific question, you know, and it could be, hey, you know, you played Moose Jaw on a Saturday in December and you got thrown out of the game. What, what happened? What was your mindset? it's really hard to give a canned answer to that because that's a real life situation. And so I find those questions, the ones that are much more geared towards the individuality of the player tends to be more um, candid. 
Sam, you can go here, but I, the Devils fan in the background is saying, hmm, let's see, what player was thrown out of a game in Moose Jaw earlier in the season? Let me see if I find out who Mark's that talking about. That is completely anyway. fabricated. <laughs> that is completely fabricated. Listen, I, you know I, how the fans, they want to dig into I know, everything. I know, I know. <laughs> Sam? <laughs> right now as we speak, I'm sure, but uh, Mark, you mentioned the, the regional scouts and obviously the work that they do is the backbone and the foundation to this process. And because they get to know these guys much more in depth. So what's, can you give us like a week in the life of a regional scout when you're, you're going city to city, examining player to player. And then, uh, well, that's my next question later, but what is that like for, cause these guys, I mean, I don't think people understand how much they're on the road, how much they're away from their families, the, yeah. the kind of sacrifice that they have to make to, to even just gather all this information. So, so, I mean, their territories range and vary right? Um, some of them are crossing continental borders. So our European scouts may be, you know, in the Czech Republic and have to go to Germany um, or be in Finland and have to go to Sweden or, or Russia. Um, obviously, travel to Russia was a little different this year. Um, you know, and we, and, and we have weekly meetings for our crossover guys. We have biweekly meetings for our entire staff on Tuesdays. So they need to be where they need to be for that. Let's not forget the fact that they they need an office day, like they need a day at least to to finish their their game reports, to put in their travel expenses. So usually travel starts on a Wednesday, you know, and whether it's a, a local game and it's an up and back or it's um, uh, they have to fly somewhere. Travel can start on Wednesday and then, you know, there's probably a game somewhere Wednesday night. We ask our scouts to put their schedules in a month in advance because we're also trying to eliminate redundancy. Right. So our crossover scouts, once we get going, they're crossing the planet. If they come into town, their travel takes precedent. And so, you know, we need to know where our regional guys are going to be ahead of time. Um, and so they, they with COVID, uh, it's been it's been a challenge because schedules change. Finland stopped for a while. Quebec stopped for a while. Um, Scott, Scott uh, Harris does a really good job. He's our head of director of logistics and operations on our amateur scouting side. And, I don't know how many hours in the day he has more than me, but it, it's got to be double digits because he gets more done in a day. It's amazing. Um, you know, so that's a big part of it is they get their schedules in advance and it's good for them because it forces them to really try to be efficient. So, you know, uh, again, if you're using Western Canada as a barometer, you know, if you're going to go from uh, a, a game in Seattle to a game in, in Calgary, obviously you're talking about international travel, you're talking about flights. If you're going from Seattle to Portland, you're driving, right? It's an easy one, you're driving, you get in a hotel. So you really, you become, a, a the, the, the regional guys become very regional geography majors. I have learned more about international and, and the, the globe geography than I, I ever knew. Um, you know what? I mean, think about it. You go so so for the crossover guys. All of a sudden, you go to the to to the Slovakian league, and now you know where's this team compared to that team? It looks really close on a map. And then we call our our European guy, and he's like, "Yeah, that's a seven hour drive. We're not making that." So you really rely on your regional guys to have a really good base of 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 where the teams are playing and where you need to go. Oftentimes, when the crossover scouts are putting their schedule together. They'll 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 confer with the regional guy. Hey, where do I need to be? And that's that level of communication is crucial. And I know uh, 
covering a lot of teams in the past, the, the running joke is the guys that cover like the OHL, the Ontario League, can cover that league on a bicycle because the, the amount of terrain that like the Western scouts and the uh, the European scouts have to cover is just incredible. But so when they start looking at these players and they start evaluating these players, how do you get a feel for? We talked about the board, but do you look at a guy and say, okay, that is a potential first round kind of player, or that is a potential second round kind of player? Like, what are the, some of the things that jump out that you? Because at some point you got this big pool of guys. You got to start divvying up where you think they can go. Do you, do you look at it that way? Like this guy's like a first round talent versus this guy's a third round talent or, it's a, or how do you kind of do that process? Well, there's, there's a couple pieces to it. Um, you know, number one, the, each country does a pretty good job of evaluating their players. So usually the kickoff tournament of the year is the Holinka tournament, right? And so all the teams that are participating in the Holinka tournament, for the most part, are sending their best players. So that's a place you can go right off the top and say, okay, there's going to be some low-hanging fruit there. Um, add to the fact that as we're watching games of draft-eligible players, we're also taking note of underages. We may not be giving them grades or, or projecting where they're going to be, but we are going to say, is this guy a watch? Is this guy a priority watch? So going into the season, we're also going to have sort of our own, you know, not a, not a very – uh, fortified list, but we'll have a list of players that we know we're going to be able to go, have to go out and see. Um, and so based on those two pieces, and then also referring to our, our regional guys, it becomes parent, uh, apparent within a month or two of entering the, uh, that, that draft eligible year that, that the list gets, at least the broad list gets put together pretty quickly. And, and hey, I don't want to forget as the season goes on, analytics does a great job in helping us fill in the gaps. So uh, they may say, Hey, based on, on, on some analytics that we've done and looking at our coverage, we need, th this guy's not getting seen as much as he needs to. And so we adjust on the fly and Hey, we got to get eyes on that guy. That's an area that analytics has really helped us in. Mark, we can hear some of the noise in the background. So we know that you've got to go in just a moment. Do we have time for one more question? We do. We do. All right. All right. And 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 that is this. We know the devil selected number two. That's pending what Tom Fitzgerald decides to do. Perhaps he moves it to improve the team in other areas, et cetera. You're going to have a list that's pretty in depth because you can't just assume it's going to be the number two pick. But then after that, the devils have picks in every round, including three in the fourth round. So nine picks overall through seven rounds. How much time we as fans spend so much time on who's going to go in the top five, who the devils might be considering for number two. And then it kind of drops off, but a Jesper Bratz available. Yegor Sharangovich is available later in yeah. the draft. So how much time do you spend on those later guys? So when you say how much time do we spend, um, you've got to include the regional scouts and that's really when you rely on your regional scouts and passion. So that's when it kind of gets bloody with the regional guys. You know, that's where, you know, uh, once we put our list together and we share it with our regional guys, they're going to look and they're going to see where their guys fall. And, and they may get to a point where they're like, you know what? Holy smokes. If we got that guy in the fourth round. So now all of a sudden it's maybe an asterisk goes next to his name and we highlight it. Um, and, and, and so those are things that we pay attention to as it goes on is again, passion. You've got a regional guy that has a lot of passion for these guys. And there might be a guy in the other region that's like, yeah, it's about right where they have him. If he goes a little later, that's fine too. I think we might be able to get him there. And then you also rely on analytics where, Hey, you know what? I think we can get this guy later. Let's hold off on him. It looks like he won't go until later. So it, it's improved communication 
and it's an area that we work on all the time. Um, but but once we get beyond the third round, um, you know, we rely a lot on our regional guys and the passion they have, and it's something that one of the changes we've made is is Scott uh, uh, Harris is helping us to organize that so that we go into the draft knowing, hey, in these areas, these are some of the guys that we really want to pay attention to. If they get to where we're picking, then it's let's go, let's move. Cool. Uh, Mark, thanks very much for your time. We know it is a very busy period in your oh, life. We're you excited. Thanks, We're excited to see what happens when the devils uh, step to the podium. Yeah. Awesome. Good luck the rest Thank of the way. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys. All right. Thanks, Mark. Mark Appreciate Dick. it. Mark All right. Danahy. Good to see you. Be well. The uh, chief scout on the amateur scouting side for the New Jersey Devils. And I kind of like that. You know, he he enlightened me a little bit there, Sam, saying, you know, once we get past the third round, that's and then the regional guys can argue back and forth. Like that's the depth that that a scouting staff goes to. You know, I, I laugh saying, oh, we talk about who's going to go in the top five or top ten. And we extend that a little bit more. And but uh, listen, I'm, I can only speak for myself. I don't go to the third round. Personally, I do not go to the third round. But then again, that's not my job. It is their job. And uh, it, it was just was nice to have Mark pull the curtain back a little bit. Yeah, it's cool to see the, the kind of process that these guys go through. And I thought it was really important, um, which is why I kind of asked him about the work that some of these scouts do, particularly, you know, the Western scouts. I remember interviewing a, a Western scout back in the day, and he said basically he would have Tuesday and Wednesday at home with his family. And then he's gone Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, flying back Monday, gets in late Monday night, sees his family for Tuesday. And then he might even have to leave Wednesday, depending on where scenarios are and where situations are. So I don't think people realize the the, the amount of time and effort, sweat, blood and tears and just travel. You know, whether you're on a plane, you're in a car, staying at hotels, all these things that the regional scouts do. And, you know, it's, it's also interesting. We talk about this fourth and seventh round guys. He talked about the passion they have. That's because a lot of these regional scouts have been with these kids since they were 15 years old. True. So sure, they're they're scouting this year's draft class. They're also talking to next year's draft class and the next year's next year's draft class. So they're getting building books on all these players for a couple of years. It's not like they show up and oh, these guys are eligible in 2022. Let's start figuring out what they're like. I mean, they've been building books on these guys really for a couple of years since they probably step into the junior rankings. And so they have these relationships with them and Matt, you got a great question about the combine and kind of the canned answers or the coached answers that these players have. But the real way to get the, to these guys' personalities is is those regional guys. Those regional scouts are able to talk to them after a game, a little more relaxed environment, a little less pressure on the player, a little more they can be themselves. And, and even in those situations, they can talk to the coaches because obviously their coaches, while they want to promote their players, they also don't want to lie to their buddies and other scouts because, you know, if you're a coach and you lose your word, then, I mean, your word is your is your entire source of, of affinity. So I think, you know, going back to those things, this process is just years and years and years in the making. And, yeah, Shane Wright or uh, Slavkowski might be the number one, number two, who knows, Logan Coley, number three. Like, But these guys have been really working books on these guys for years and years and years. So, oh, I mean, Shane Wright was the number one pick even when he was 15 years old coming into the OHL. So obviously the book on him has been very big. So the, the the process is long and arduous, but man, you can see it on draft day. And, and Matty, I know you're there when you see it, when you're at the draft and watching these scouts and how excited they are, because this is their Super Bowl. I mean, we talk about it, but really it's also kind of their Olympics. I mean, it's one thing, yeah, it's their Super Bowl. It's every year, but like, like I said, some of these guys, they've been looking at for three, four years. So this is the time where they really shine, where they really, their opinions matter, where they're very vocal and, 
passion and, and quote unquote bloody <laughs> as uh, Mark elaborated on, but th- it is a spectacular event for those guys. And I love, love, I don't think they get enough credit for the amount of work and time they put into it. And then, then it's a big celebration and party after, cause you're building your franchise, you're building out. And as you mentioned, you know, the Jesper Brass and the Igor Sharon Govich's are just as important. Those late round guys. And it's all those regional guys and all the work that they do that really puts this thing together. Yeah, I think we all know it, but it's hard to understate the importance of what they do. It is the foundation for any team's success. Yes, a lot of focus on the top picks, whether it's the first round or second round, but you know the entire draft process is so important for a team's ability to consistently compete. And we've seen what's happened with the Devils lately. Some of it, good fortune, quite frankly. They won the lotteries. They got a high pick. But the fact of the matter is they've had a hit on some of those other picks that we we referenced. And, and you can see the payoff now. It's so important. And it's uh, and, and by the way, these guys are projecting what 17, 18 year old kids will do five years down the line. It's it's a difficult job. It's as much art as it is science. And I, I think back you know, to a couple of devil's drafts. I'm going way back 1982. Kenny Danico was selected in the first round, but he was not their first first round pick in the first round. Rocky Trottier was the first New Jersey pick in that draft. And, you know, Dano has a career and, you know, exemplary and three championships, et cetera. And then in 1990, yeah, Marty Brodeur went 20th overall, but the devils were so sure they had the goat that they drafted two more goalies later in that draft, Mike Dunham and Corey Schwab. And so you just don't know, you hope it works out. It's a lot of work. And then there's a lot of development, but it was cool. I I know some fans are saying, Oh, they didn't mention names. Look, we wanted to pull the curtain back on the process. There'll be plenty of time for others to discuss names, but we just wanted to give everyone a little look as to the amount of work that goes in by these guys who are, you know, we know them, but really for most fans, they're just, you look at the staff directory and find out who they are. Right. I mean, they're kind they're really anonymous to most of the world, but not to us. We know how important they are. Yeah. And that, that's the thing too, is the average fan might not know the names of all these regional scouts, but they are the backbone that builds these franchises and they are the foundation that gets this thing going. And you're right. We, we didn't mention names, but obviously I don't even think they necessarily finalized either the names on the boards and how they're going to go and how they're going to pick. And sometimes uh, you know, you don't even know that answer until the minute you're on the clock, too. Um, sometimes, you, you know, there's debate literally up into the moment where the New Jersey Devils are on the clock. And it's like, all right, and the, the debate goes on and on. But like, all right, now it's time to make that pick. And obviously, Mark Dennehy will be a, a big voice in that situation. Tom Fitzgerald will be a big voice in that situation, particularly for the number two overall pick. I'm sure once you get to the fourth round, Tom Fitzgerald will let the staff do what they do because that is their expertise. That's their area. And, uh, but also we all, we all know these guys, we, we have a number of draft experts on throughout the year. We, we know what these top guys are looking at the top five to 10 or so. So we, we have an idea of what the individual players look like. And, and really I think more interesting is the later players who they like in the later rounds, which we won't know until after the draft. And obviously we'll get an idea once they make those selections, who was really high on them because, you know, after every draft, what do they say? You know, you get a guy in the fifth round and it's like, Oh, we couldn't believe he was still available. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's what they always say. So, you know, the, the, obviously the, they love certain players and they have an affinity for them. And Mark touched on it, too. You know, there's a guy like, all right, we can get him in the fifth round. That'd be great because we think like he might go a little earlier. So if this guy falls into the fifth round or whatever, let's let's try and snag him. And you, you look at a situation where they have three fourth round picks. So there's an area where they might take a little bit of a chance on maybe one or two of those picks and say, all right, 
maybe we reach here. Maybe, you know, it doesn't look like a reach to us, but to other teams, or maybe we take a shot on a certain guy that might be, you know, might have some great upside potential, but needs a little bit of work. means he's pretty raw. So those are the scenarios too, that are playing out and all the conversations that go into it. And, and, and again, Mark said that they have weeks, uh, they have interviews and, and meetings every week from August all the way through. So it's not like, you know, this is a process that goes on and on and on and, and debates go on and on and on. So it takes a lot of effort, a lot of hours. I can't even think of the man hours that it takes to put these things together. And then, then you have what a minute <laughs> to make your decision in those later rounds. So all that work months and months worth of work. And then you have one minute to make a decision. So, but, and honestly, I can't even think of the pressure sometimes that goes into those situations too, especially there have been times I've seen teams where you're on the clock in the third round and, there's two guys that are arguing for their guy back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And, and then finally someone's going to be like, all right, you know what? Enough of this. This is who we're taking. This is the guy. And somebody's mad and upset. And then somebody's happy. But again, as he said, you got to have a thick skin and that's the way it is. That's the business. They love the passion. You wouldn't want, you know, guys not passionate for their players. You want them fighting and arguing for their guys. So the, those are some incredible scenarios too, where I think, man, the pressure is on the pressure is really on. It's a lot of fun. It is. It is very stressful situation. I'm sure on some of those some of those selections. Well, again, we thank Mark Dennehy for sharing his time, and of course, to our listeners, you know where to find the latest draft content. Our content team is kicking it. We've got more podcasts coming. We'll have a team on the ground in Montreal. We'll have coverage from our studio uh, at Prudential Center as well. And so uh, the draft is coming. It's less than a month away. And then, oh, by the way, those guys get a couple of weeks off and they start again in August for next year's draft. But it's an exciting time. And um, I'm really looking forward to seeing what the Devils do as uh, they continue to fill the pipeline. It's pretty verdant, but a chance to really add some key pieces in this draft. Sam, always enjoy spending time with you. Looking forward to more of the content that you create and the rest of your partners there in our content crew. I miss you, Manny. Can we do uh, get back in person after the summer's over and get the season going again? Although yeah, we'll see, absolutely. I guess, uh, from Montreal. I'll be in Montreal, and I know you'll be hosting the uh, the big show. So we'll, we'll touch base soon, I'm sure. We'll do some long-range hello, and then we'll see each other <laughs> a little later in the summer face-to-face. That'll do it for this edition of Speak of the Devils, presented by RWJ Barnabas Health. Thanks very much for your company. It is always appreciated. Until next time, everyone, be safe, be well, and so long. <laughs>